Hey everybody, I hope you are fine. It's another Saturday, uh, to be exact, it's the 9th of May 2020 and we have another episode coming up. It's uh, We have a little audio intro here because we have actually switched around a couple of episodes in case you wondered. Um, we recorded the Y Combinator uh, interview episodes uh, actually after this one but we felt that a lot of people are just in the yc application process and therefore we kind of moved them up earlier in order to um, give you guys a chance to potentially learn from from my experience when it comes to the application process of y combinator um, nevertheless we start now with another kind of episode which um, which is quite short nevertheless i hope um, and we hope that it definitely delivers some value for everybody that is interested in mental models if you haven't heard of mental models they're kind of a a guideline a process or just a helpful tool of how to solve certain problems and they give you definitely a a methodology of solving problems in case you don't know how to solve a problem potentially that's what we talk about um, very short very concise nevertheless we also have um, two very interesting books that we recommended that you might have not heard before um, not because we wanted to have one that you didn't hear before but i think they're quite unusual yet and i also haven't heard them a lot beforehand so um, we would love to get your feedback follow us on uh, on, on the LinkedIn or on other, any kind of other social channels. And of course, subscribe to the podcast. We hope to deliver some value. would love to get more feedback. Um, we've had some great feedback already and um, hopefully we can improve on the pathway. And uh, thanks for listening and have fun in the episode. Cheers. So welcome back to another episode of Startups, Sparks and Serendipity. It's Max on this side. Who's on the other side? <laughs> <laughs> it's Mike. What a surprise. Hey there. <laughs> Excellent. Perfect. Um, so we're both here. Um, we had a short episode last time. Um, maybe we switched them around a little bit, but that was at least from our standpoint. And, and we want to cover a couple of topics today again around potentially mental models. Also, maybe going deeper into the whole self-isolation during COVID-19, um, which of course covers uh, all of our lives. And, and we want to find maybe solutions, ideas, sparks that, that help maybe to get this whole time covered um, as fast and as efficient as possible um so cool that you guys are back mike how are you doing doing well i i think one of the best ways of thinking about this is that there are very few distractions right now so there's no commute to work there is nothing really going on so you can just stay home get a lot of shit done uh, which is great Absolutely. I think actually, maybe for the listeners, I wrote Mike yesterday because I'm looking for on-ear headphones uh, and, and I'm, I haven't really deep dived into it that much yet. So feedback from other people is always very good to hear. Um, and I think this is a great, maybe first, very small <laughs> introduction topic, on-ear, in-ear. Um, I, I know that a lot of people that are in the startup or business space, they want to do focused work, they want to do deep work, and they sometimes lack the possibility to do so because they have lots of people running around, which, of course, in self-isolation, this doesn't happen that much. But maybe You can have can... your kids running around or your family members or your dog. Right, right. right. The dog, maybe uh, he or she will come in right in a second if if so uh, please bear with me guys <laughs> um so maybe I, I know you are a big on your on your headphones fan maybe we can cover that shortly definitely definitely not like there's a difference between on ear and over ear 
and I oh, yeah. detest I detest on ears. So let, let's get that out of the way. So I think <laughs> people that actually wear, wear on ear headphones the whole day, uh, I don't really understand them because I think it's way too uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. especially when you want to wear it a long time. So I think there's a debate between over-ear and in-ear. But yep, agree. Sorry um, for my technological oh, misunderstanding. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, <laughs> usually most people actually mean over-ear when they say on-ear. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, just if you go to a store or Google it or buy it on Amazon, then on-ear is a bit different. Um, and to further definitions, in-ear is just like for all the listeners, in-ear you stick into your ear. On-ear is something that's, like literally on your ear where the headphones don't really cover everything of the ear and over ear is something that doesn't touch your ear directly which is basically just covering the whole of your ear and touches your head around your ear that's the easiest explanation i hope that that made sense and yes i think in ear is extremely useful for some instances so for example if you also want to work out with them then sometimes over ear is a bit annoying because you like when you sweat you often notice a drop in quality over time really quickly because it's like most of the over-ear headphones are not meant for that Uh, Mm -hmm. in-ear also in-ear headphones also take up less space right so if you travel a lot or just move around a lot that's convenient but also they're way easier to lose and (laughs) my experience is also that the in-ear headphones if you don't want to spend a lot of money uh, (laughs) don't have don't have the best sound quality and then also sometimes they're damaging your ear more directly so you need to pay attention there my personal favorite and i'm super biased is over-ear headphones uh, i think it's it's often better sound quality especially if you if you go for example the the bose bose how, how do you pronounce it in english bose yeah bose i think b-o-s-e <laughs> route and yeah, I, I love my headphones. I, I literally wear them twelve hours a day. And some of my some of my friends actually like tell me that they never see me without them if we are not going out or something. So <laughs> always have them by my side. And I think one of the most important things with headphones is comfortability, especially if you want want to wear them during work. Then the other two factors that are really important for me is sound quality and then noise cancellation. I think noise cancellation is huge, especially if you travel a lot, if you are on planes or trains a lot, it's a, it's a game changer. I think flying without them for me has become almost impossible. <laughs> I agree. I mean, I'm, I'm wearing on-ear headphones now and I'm not very, very satisfied, but I have, I've had them for, for some years. So I think on-ear, over-ear hasn't been that known back then. So otherwise I would probably have chosen differently, but I think I have a question to that because I'm, I'm maybe I think a lot of people are potentially in that stage right now where I'm at kind of researching different mm-hmm. different headphones, everything mm-hmm. from Apple AirPods to to Bose headphones. So when like how did how did you make the decision? And especially when it comes to noise cancellation, mm. when do you especially feel the difference of of maybe deep work when you have over ear headphones on? Mm. Yeah, so I think. Like when I, like back in the day, it was probably now like five years ago when I bought the first noise canceling headphones. Yeah, like five or six, not one, not 100%, not 100% sure. Basically, I went into the store and actually like physically tried out all the different headphones and their noise cancellation and sound quality and just put a lot of time into really trying them out. And then the Bose headphones performed the best by far. Out of mm-hmm. every single headphones I, I tried on, they were super comfortable. The sound quality was really good and the noise cancellation was great. So bought them back then, have never regretted it. Uh, had to uh, buy new ones only once since then. Sometimes you have to renew the cushions 
because if uh -huh. you wear them 12 hours uh, like every single day then uh, they deteriorate after some time but yeah, i think my my biggest point is uh, like for over ear over in ears it's just comfortability i don't really notice them on my head and in ears just like they hurt my ears after some time and you need the perfect fit for in ears yeah, and since every ear is a bit different especially internally uh, I think it's it's difficult to find the perfect fit. I know lots of people that are using AirPods, but yeah. I, I'm not really impressed by the the sound quality. I think they're super convenient, but I I like my my over ears way better. Excellent. Okay, just wanted to check that out. Maybe that's also interesting. I can also do as soon as I have made a buying decision. <laughs> yeah, I um, want to hear the update. I mean, definitely, we we will we will keep everybody updated, and of course maybe hear some 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 listener stories as well of of which kind of uh, headphones you guys are using i think this would be interesting yeah. since That's this actually, was such a actually great transition into one of my topics i wanted to talk to about uh, about today which is how i managed to try to stay in the flow especially when you work from home because mm -hmm. i think uh, at least in my experience working from home is a bit more difficult in terms of really getting into the zone uh, maybe that's different for other people, but I know a lot of people like me that rather like doing college, studied in the library or like to work somewhere else and like to separate it a bit. But mm -hmm. now most of us are forced to actually work from home. And one of the most important things for me to get into my flow is actually listening to repetitive music. So I mm -hmm. usually have the same band or often the same song just playing on loop. And if it's the right kind of song, I just blend it out after some time. And it's a, like almost a trigger for me to go into deep focus mode and just to get work done. And it's almost impossible for me to do most of my work right now without good music or without the, the, the right kind of music. What is it for you? Like, do you listen to music while you work? Do you like it quiet? Very, very different uh, depending on the task I'm doing. If I listen to music, I've definitely go to more um, relaxed kind of focus music or which, which was kind of proposed to me by a friend, which I found interesting was listening to soundtrack playlists, soundtrack music or film music because film mm, music mm -hmm. or ga not film music, gaming music actually to be, to mm. be very specific because yeah. gaming mu music is always there to be in the background. Mm. So you can actually work with it as well. And it, I've, I've, I didn't believe it, but I can definitely agree to this point. So this gaming music has, has been, um, has been a cool focus productivity hack for on my side yeah yeah gaming music is great i think like two things uh, three genres that work really well for me one is techno just fairly repetitive good beat that brings you into at least in my opinion a productive mood secondly everything related to i call it epic music and if you look on spotify or youtube and look for epic music you know what i'm talking about it's orchestra music it's similar to gaming music actually it's this more fantastic kind of music that basically mm -hmm. makes you think you're going on an adventure with your sword and try to slay the dragon which is also pretty cool and then then lastly like i said for me it's just i have one or two of my favorite bands that i like i know all the songs by heart so it doesn't really matter when they when there's also vocals in there but usually i i like songs without vocals a bit more if it's not mm -hmm. something I can listen to on repeat. Oh, and there's Makes one sense. artist who's great for working that actually one of my co-founder also uses. He's called Faint. Um, F-E-I-N-T. And he has some really, I don't even know what like kind of music it is. Like some EDM? I don't know the specific subgenre. Okay. Uh, like I have one or two of his songs I, I tend to listen to on repeat and just get, get work done as well. But interesting F that you're also using music. F-E-E-I-N-T, right? F-E-I-N-T. Okay, cool. Yeah. And nice. then two steps from hell. Do you know two steps from hell? 
No, I don't actually. Okay, if you like gaming music, uh, like look for Two Steps from Hell. It's the best music you can you can possibly find in that, in that area. <laughs> nice. It's not necessarily Ex gaming music, but just like this orchestra type of epic music. I think you will like. Cool, definitely check it out. Nice, thanks. How how do you then? I mean, from from a, from music perspective, um, going a bit further. Mm -hmm. Like, how does your like? Is there anything how your desk needs to look like in order for you to to be productive? Mm. Um, does you do you have like a to do list right next to to your work? How 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 does it work for you? Yeah, yeah. One more one more thought on music is I have two kind of headphones. I have my Bose headphones that I wear for a specific kind of tasks with music, and then I also have uh, I think they're called like work tunes or something like that. Uh, that usually. Uh, people on construction sites are wearing so mm. headphones that are just noise cancelling and they are great if you just want to blend out all the noises around you especially if you live in a in a noisy environment maybe like in front of a street or something else and if you like if you have them on you don't hear anything it's great so for some kind of uh, work tasks I actually use them and actually I also use them a lot when I studied in college mm -hmm. and they work so well that one time I was sitting in a lecture room, had them on, had my view towards the wall. And three of my buddies were actually sitting in the same lecture room with me. But I, I didn't see what was happening in the room. And then at some point, someone tapped on my shoulder. And I was in my, in my tunnel, like snapped out of it, looked behind me. And actually, there were people in there, like 50 people that wanted to start writing their exam. And I just didn't notice all of them coming into the room. <laughs> so um, re really good. But wh <laughs> really why do you then like do the Bose headphones don't give you the chance to be in noise cancelling mode without music or? Uh, no, like they, they do, but the noise cancelling of the, uh, they are from 3M, the ones I'm using is way better. So the, okay. the, the, the noise cancelling of most headphones is more is meant, meant to block out most of the more regular noises, but uh, most of the like noise cancelling headphones are actually meant to still send you like so when someone for example wants to talk to you and you don't listen to music you usually hear it because it only mm -hmm. blends out a certain specific uh kind of sound wave i don't know the exact tech but the others you just don't hear anything anymore so Crazy. Yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the difference would be interesting to observe how the mind reacts to it if you don't hear anything anymore yeah i mean technically like if something's really loud you still hear it but most of the noises you you can't hear anymore mm -hmm. interesting yeah, but then to like follow up on what you said, I'm not the tidiest person. I, one example, like one exception for that is usually my like my own desktop. So I like I like that tidied up, and then everything like around my keyboard and mouse needs to be free. But other than that, everything can just lay wherever. I don't really notice that. I know that many people are different, <laughs> and I'm I'm a bit chaotic in that regard. But one thing. <laughs> One thing that's really important for me that I've actually recently upgraded to is I, I use an external keyboard now, a mm -hmm. mechanical keyboard, actually. Um, it's, it's technically a gaming keyboard. That's what most people are using it for. But I'm super fast when I, when I type on it. And then I also use an external mouse and uh, have recently added a second screen to my setup as well. Before, I was mostly focusing on one screen since most of my work is not development right now or design, but rather emails, some presentations and modeling. Yeah, that, that's roughly roughly how I how I like to work. Um, what about you? How does your uh, workplace look? It's generally very similar. I, I try to have only a certain set of things in place, which is mostly um, even though I'm not a 
like I, I don't really use notebooks in that detail anymore. But mm. what I what I use them for is to kind of write down the top three to do's that I have, um, including some other more long term to do's. I think we have talked about in the first episode. Um, so I still have that, which which directly lies next to me when working, which which helps me to as soon as I get distracted i need to mm. look at my at my like key themes key to do's for the day again and then i kind of get back to to the to the most important to do so this is how this helps me to kind of not be distracted by any other kind of distraction that's that's might be on the table and um, i generally don't like i haven't really listened to lots of music next to work anymore what i sometimes do is in case i'm i i want to have a spare minute i sometimes have a book next to my table or next to my working place and i just read two three pages Hmm. to get it to get inspired about a different idea a different setup Hmm. um for example now i'm I'm reading principles by ray dalio which is cool very good book and it helps me to kind of get different perspectives on different topics and then kind of my brain needs to reset again because i've looked at something differently but this helps to to get back into a new focus focus uh, half an hour focus hour focus two hours um so this this is something that i do sometimes and when 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 i when i'm too distracted that makes sense how do you think about task switching because especially if you have one topic that you want to solve that's super important for the whole day every single distraction basically costs a lot of time and mental energy Do you have anything that helps you to stay focused or any kind of optimized process uh, to really focus on one thing at a time? What I sometimes do, it's not really a big routine or habit yet, is that especially with Macs, I'm not sure about um, Microsoft computers, but with Macs, you can actually have different desktops. Mm -hmm. Um, And as soon as I have different tasks that might even be beneficial to to work with each other then i kind of set up different desktops within my mac interface and mm-hmm. i switch around the different different desktops very easily and very quickly um this helps especially if, if tasks are quite connected to each other if not i try to really focus on this one one desktop page um mm. and and kind of delete out all the other unnecessary tabs and and programs mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm using it doesn't work so basically all the time, force yourself to only be able to look at this one specific thing Thing so that no really distra- no real distractions can come in. Absolutely, correct. Absolutely, same with email. Funny enough, like email, of course, also requires focus time. Um, and and I downloaded mm. Boomerang to stop my inbox um, as soon as I'm working on emails, especially if there's a flow of inbox that was coming in the last hours, and I kind of want to mm. go through it again, especially maybe also at night or in the evening. I don't want to mm. see any other email coming in, so I just stop my inbox. So I can actually work on the the emails that I have, and as soon as I'm done, I just leave my email and go out, so so that I don't see any other emails flowing in that might mm. get me distracted and and in the loop again of of starting more or less from zero again. Yeah, that's that's super smart. Yeah, I've recently started setting one email block per day, mm-hmm. and the my benefit is that like I'm currently in Germany, and most of our business is in the US, so I can actually get a lot of work done until all the emails trickle in. But I, I try to refrain from looking into my emails until evening European time. Then I have one focus block of just answering all the emails, then not touching them at all until I go to bed and then answer the second block for the emails. And it's so much better. And I don't get any notifications for anything. No, me neither. Yeah. Um, the only difference is if I'm like waiting for something super important and I know that it will trickle in, then I enable notifications and have a filter on for the specific email address that 
I get a push notification or something. But other than that, yeah, really focusing on work and planning out emails, probably one of the best productivity hacks that you can have, at least if you're in a position where you get a lot of emails, because it's not necessarily the case. No, absolutely. I think um, that's a good point, setting up different different uh, time slots for doing emails. Do you generally, like in the morning, do you plan your day out or is it more you, you have certain things that you want to work on and you don't really put that on the calendar or how do you do it? Uh, so, yeah, actually, most of the meetings are already pre-scheduled for the day so that I, that I roughly know how much time I have to work on other tasks. And then what I do is I actually have a physical notebook. I, I didn't do it physically for some time, but um, the economists just sent me a new notebook, which was really nice of them. <laughs> and <laughs> so I'm, I'm using that. And basically what I do in the morning before I start my my day is writing down all the important tasks and then identifying the most important one, which is the, like the, the crucial thing of that exercise. And then I actually start working on this task because no matter how the day ends up being, if I finish this specific task, then it can be a successful day. Mm -hmm. So I, I started doing that. It doesn't necessarily mean that I can always finish it, but I try to chunk it in tasks that I can finish one really important task at the beginning and also before I have my other meetings. And then I have my priority list set. I, I, I prioritize them all to like one to five and put them into my, I think we talked about it. I have like a, a to-do list tool I'm using called Sunsama. Uh -huh. It's extremely helpful. I have all my tasks, uh, tasks in there and then they are prioritized in there. And once I finish the first task, I just go to the second task. And then if there are meetings in between, I just, I just join them. That's, that's roughly on a very high level what I'm doing. And it's actually, it's actually way better for my own feeling of productivity doing that rather than randomly starting into the day. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's super helpful for me. How do you do it? I, I haven't really found the perfect way yet. What, what definitely helps me, and, and I love the fact that you're kind of finding out the key theme for the day, which, which is the same for me. Um, so I, currently I have um, my, my to-do to list um, on, on my Mac, and what I do is I separate urgent from important tasks, and I look at potentially urgent tasks and important tasks and see what, what's actually needed and what's the more important task to follow up with. And uh, mm. that's more or less the crucial decision that I make in the morning. Which which helps me to stay stay focused throughout stay focused throughout like the whole day. Um, I used to set up different blocks within my calendar of of, of things I want to work on, um, mm -hmm. which which has definitely been recommended by different people like Niall or the people mm -hmm. that worked on Gmail at Google. Um, I think Jack, that's mm -hmm. what they call. It. But I, I found out for me that this kind of doesn't really help me because of one one particular reason. As soon as you have certain time slots booked in your calendar for certain tasks your mind already, at least my mind, already thinks, okay, I, I set up an, an, an hour and a half, so I have an hour and a half of time to work on this task, but actually I might be done in 30 minutes. And um, mm. this kind of, this kind of, yeah, it confuses my mind because I've set myself a half, one and a half hours, but I'm only, work, like, I could have been done after 45 minutes, but because I've set it for one and a half hours, my mind maybe works slower, uh, just unconsciously, to fill in the one and a half hours. It's very different, uh, very similar to meetings, right? If you have, if you set up a one hour meeting with a person, Usually, most of the people always talk for 40, 59 minutes, and at, on the right on the spot, they leave the call. But there's like mm. not a lot of people actually try to make a one hour meeting last only 15 minutes. That's just mm. usually. Isn't that what Sheryl Sandberg is doing? I, I... Is that true? I, I'm not sure actually. What is she doing? I think, if I'm not mistaken, um, 
I, I read that she goes into meetings and has very clear agendas. And once that's done, the meeting is over. But I'm not 100% sure. Uh, it's probably someone that is listening knows way more. But I'm, I'm, I'm certain that she has something like that. Uh, I definitely read that. And two other things, based on what you just said. I mean, you, you just explained Parkinson's, Parkinson's law, right? The work expands so as to fill the time available for its completion yeah. or something like that. Mm-hmm. True. Yep. <laughs> and so it, that's actually the reason why I stopped putting these blocks into my calendar as well. It actually worked quite well for some time, but they theoretically would have to be dynamic to work really well. So what I'm doing now is I block focused work time in my calendar Mm -hmm. and then just work on the tasks one after another in the chronological order of priority. Makes sense. So start with the first one. If it takes the whole time, it takes all time. If it's finished first, I just go to the second one. And that seems to be working better for me. And when question, do you, when like do you, you block it? Is that yeah? like at the beginning of the week or every morning? Oh, actually, like right now, I have the same blocker in my calendar every single day, mm-hmm. which is super convenient because I know in advance that I won't have any meetings there and we'll just get work done. Got it. Um, it's super It's super calming to, to know that you have some free time to just get, get work done. So that's how I'm currently doing Got it. it. Got it. Makes sense. Yeah. And then you talked about urgency and importance earlier. Are you using the, the Eisenhower matrix for that? Uh, yes, I do actually. Not not in like not how he describes it, but it's a, a very similar mm-hmm. idea for me. I, I literally have two lists, um, urgent and important, but that's it. I don't, mm. I think Eisenhower has four columns, right? Yeah. Four quadrants. Yeah, yeah. Four quadrants. I don't have that. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, that's a cool thing about these kind of of things, right? You can just adapt it to your own uh, to your own workflow. Right, right. And then there you can get so much input by different people. Everybody has tried different productivity tools or or methods or focus methods. Mm. And and there are so many great books about it. And, and I think it's really about figuring it out. And to be honest, I haven't like there I don't think there's like one like this clear thing that you have to do in order to be focused or not. I think it's really no, personal. not at all. Yeah, it's just about experimenting and seeing what works for you. By the way, books, very good transition. Yep. Uh, my book suggestion of the day <laughs> is called uh, Poor Charlie's Almanac. Mm-hmm. Have we talked about that before? No, we didn't actually. Okay, yeah, it's one of my favorite books of all time. It's actually a collection of writing and speeches of Charlie Munger, uh, one of the or the business partner of Warren Buffett. Nice. And he's also the originator, or at least one of the like we're very early proponents of the term mental models. Mm-hmm. And just you, you talked about it in the introduction, so actually like very good paving the way for, for what I wanted to say uh, because I personally love mental models and it's one of the subject areas I spend the most time thinking about mm-hmm. outside of my actual work. And for, for everyone who doesn't know what a mental model is, basically, there are different definitions, but how I see it is mental models describe reoccurring patterns about how the world works. So they're basically shortcuts that enable you to think about the world from many different perspectives in a short amount of time. And one of the main goals for them is to simplify complexity. It's similar to general models, right? A financial model just simplifies the more complex process of, of how the actual cash flows flow. And the, the One of the basic premises of the mental model school of thought is that there are only a small number of ideas and concepts Mm -hmm. that explain most of how the world works. And these can come from all different areas in life, like biology, chemistry, math, psychology. But many of these concepts concepts actually impact all or most areas of life. And the goal is to identify the set of ideas like the ones that are really important and learn them by heart. I mean, you know most of that or all of that because we talked about it before. I know that you also follow that, but I just wanted to explain it for those who don't Mm -hmm. know. And 
if you then take decisions in the future or want to understand something, uh, your knowledge about all these basics will come in extremely handy. So I use them regularly to look at things, especially in the startup world, but also beyond. And the cool thing is the laws of nature stay the same, right? So if you know them, that's really helpful. And then humanity also changes very slowly. So knowing them can be extremely beneficial. And uh, I think we want to have a separate episode about mental models at some point, but maybe we can talk about one or two now. Uh, yeah, so mental models. Uh, I can start with one of my favorites. Um, then you can you can uh, mention one of yours. <laughs> and then maybe either either we maybe we do one a week or we just do a like a longer episode where we just talk about a lot of them at once. Uh, we, we'll see. Maybe the listeners can tell us what they would like. Mm -hmm. And yeah, one example is actually a mental model I've mentioned in the podcast before. I think without declaring it to be a mental model, and it's called second order thinking. Mm -hmm. So what this means is that you do not only think about the direct effect of something, but also of the effect of the effect. <laughs> and what that means more concretely is not only thinking, for example, about how the automotive industry will change when self-driving cars become prevalent, mm -hmm. uh, but also what the effects of self-driving cars on cities will be. So for example, it will probably free up a lot of space that was previously dedicated to parking space. So what can you do with that space and how will it impact real estate prices in the area? That's one example that, that I tend to use. And yeah, is there, I think do, second order. Is there like a, yeah, is go there ahead. Maybe like a cool example that you have gone through personally or professionally where this mental model has helped you kind of make the right decision? Yeah, I think that's actually one of the mental models I use the most. And it actually helped us thinking through the, the business that we're currently building. So um, what we're currently doing is financing education in the U.S. with income share agreements. And that's basically a different way of financing them compared to student loans, what's currently prevalent. And we thought about a lot of, uh, about a lot of different opportunities of helping younger people to become financially independent. And then we thought about what does it really mean to spend a lot of money on your education if you don't have the money up front, right? You need to get the money from somewhere. Mm -hmm. And the immediate effect is that you have to repay it at some point. But the the other effect is that it actually, the the means of repayment or the, 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 no, better, the fact that you have to repay it actually inhibits you from doing a lot of different things, mm -hmm. right? So if, you, if you're forced to start repaying a certain predefined amount immediately after college, it prevents you from doing a lot of things where the entry salaries, for example, are low, but you have a lot of upside potential. And this is also a reason why we are doing income share agreements, where you just pay a percentage of your salary mm -hmm. so that you, that you have the additional opportunity of going into a, a job or a career or something that pays less early on, but then has huge increases in salary or whatever you are doing in income afterwards. So that's just a very short example. I use it a lot. And actually, it's it's one of my favorites. And you cannot only do second order consequence, you can also do third and fourth, but it's, at some point it becomes difficult. Right. But it's just a great, great thought experiment of just thinking about these these impacts. It reminds me a little bit of the the, the, the five whys, I think, that we have talked about yeah, also. Yeah, yeah. Um, really asking, the, really going to the edge of why things happen and, and, and why things can be different based on the decision that you're going to make or not. So I think this is this yeah. is something that, that I can definitely relate to a lot. Um, also, second, we we have done that also several times um, during our startup back then. We do that at Starmind, where I work at, where I just personally think about second and third order con consequences. Also, if you think about treating mm. customers, um, you like treating customers maybe at first can be very difficult. 
going really the extra mile um, of, of serving your customers well enough. But on, on, on second and third order consequences, you see the benefits because pe- people are actually, I just looked up the stats um, quite like a couple of days ago. All, like I think 40% of US buyers are more likely to buy certain products or services if the service was pitched on a personalized level, which more or less mm. means in, in conversion that you, you actually did an extra mile to serve your customer. Um, so I think this is something where you see people are actually willing to pay even more and you can make more revenue by, by going the extra mile and considering second and third order consequences. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's a good example. So the, the actual, oh yeah, I, I think I, I know where you're, where you're coming from. Okay. Uh, do you do you want to suggest another mental model that you're using? Um, I think one that has been interesting for me. I think I was inspired by it by two people. Um, it's it's the inversion mental <laughs> model. Um, maybe for nice. the people who don't know, I think it was generally not invented, but maybe thought through by Marcus Aurelius and and the Stoics back then. Um, and, and and I think Tim Ferriss mentioned it a lot. And the general idea is that you think about the like you you try to envision the negative things that could potentially happen in life. Um, so, for example, that when going into a new job, you envision that you might lose the job. When you when you start a new project, you might think about that the project is going to be failing. Um, and it's it, it will help you to kind of go into a thinking of how what kind of task and how can you prevent negative things from happening to your project or your job or whatever. And as soon as you start thinking about it, you actually go into a mental state of potentially already figuring out how you can solve those um, negative impacts. And 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 I think that's great because it it it's it goes about fear. It it's about uh, understanding weaknesses. It's about understanding negative consequences in more detail and and you don't really start doing that only when it happens you have already started thinking about when you actually started doing a project or going into a new job so i think this is interesting um and it helps me to always reflect on the opportunity in 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 a more maybe also pessimistic way but also it helps me to compare different projects at the same time by doing yeah. the inversion method. Yeah, actually funny that you mentioned it because that was my backup example. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, inversion is great. And I, I also use it a lot because it's it's very helpful to just define what code you fail mm-hmm. up front and, and just define which actions you should avoid. And you can use that for your own self-improvement. So for example, if you notice that, uh, let's let's say going out clubbing on Saturdays and then drinking really ruins your productive Sunday yeah. then and you have a like a side project that you only work on on Sundays and that's probably some, something you should avoid right right and it's actually similar for the success of your business the number one goal of a startup is not to die right, right. and that comes even before making something people want or before making revenue i mean making revenue is a way of not dying but basically what you want to always avoid is that the startup dies because most startups die mm-hmm. And doing everything you can to make that happen it should be the, the number one goal. And then the other goals will, will come afterwards. So thinking about what would make us fail and actually asking other people. You can actually ask investors that. And actually, I think the, the Mixpanel founder tweeted that yesterday, that he likes to ask investors or other people, why do you think this project uh, will fail or can fail? Mm-hmm. And I think it's, it's a great way of just preventing the future. Right. So yeah, uh, I like the example. Love it. Perfect.
Yeah, that's. I think I don't really have a specific book about it, but I think it's 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 a great topic to look deeper into. And maybe to add to your to your previous book recommendation, I would also add. I don't know if a lot of people know him, but um, he has helped me also thinking differently about sports, athletics, and and general um, sports dynamics. Um, his name is Elliot Halls. He's also from this from the states, um, and he goes into different topics of mobility, um, athleticism, and 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 generally sports. And he has written a book about the four-layer approach um, to kind of become to to I think it's called to become the best version of yourself, and it goes really into different topics from starting from health, sports, um, understanding who you are, what you want to achieve, and how this all connects to each other. And it was like a book that I've I've probably read like five to six years ago, but it's especially in times back then where I was kind of going out of school into university, it has helped me to understand what do I want, what do I need to achieve, how do my how how's my brain connected to my body and how's my body connected to my goals uh, and all to each other. Um, so I think this was maybe more from a spiritual side, but I think it has definitely given me another perspective on why I'm doing things and, and how I should do those things. Okay. Can you spell the name of the author again? I haven't heard of it. It's him. Elliot Hulls, E-L-L-I-O-T-T. Mm-hmm. And then Hulls is his last name. It's H-U-L-S-E. Okay, great. That sounds like a good book. And it also sounds like a good way to end this right excellent we have good content suggestions we talked a bit about different kinds of topics and uh, i hope that it was uh, i hope that it was interesting for everyone. <laughs> absolutely i hope so we didn't reach the one hour mark as we did i think in the first three episodes so i think this was a good job on our side <laughs> yeah that's true thanks mike really enjoyed chatting again thanks max it was great